0: Forever DOG I used to think that this was my town. What a stupid thing to think. I hear you biting off a brain now. I myself am on the brain. I used to wanna be a real man. What's up, three BZ? What's up, Diamond Dogs? Rhea Butcher, your host here. Thanks for rolling with me for the delays. And, I mean, I guess this was a rain delay. Uh, the rain being things going on in my life. <laughs> Thanks for hanging in there. I really appreciate it. I know how annoying it is uh, when you have a day job and there's a podcast that you look forward to. I hope that you look forward to my podcast. I'm not trying to sound hubristic at all or, uh, you know, to be... Uh, too big for my britches um my britches fit just 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 fine um but i i mean i know that when you like to listen to a thing and then that thing doesn't come out it's pretty annoying so i appreciate it uh also just uh yeah it's been taking me a minute to be able to get to record this dang thing and so i appreciate that i like recording it but i also like keeping my mental health in check. So I highly recommend doing that. If that's something uh, you think about and wonder, should I be keeping my mental health in check? Yes, absolutely. You should. I think sometimes it's hard for us to uh, remember that. Um, And us can be whatever combination of whatever you think I mean. (laughs) If you feel like I'm talking to you, guess what? I'm talking to you. I think uh, I highly recommend going to therapy. It's difficult, and uh, a lot of people... Look, I'm from Ohio. I'm from Akron, Ohio. You all know that. I talk about it a lot. So much so that some people are like, shut up about it. But, I mean, I can't really shut up about where I'm from. That's where I'm from, and it's not really going to change. So I, uh, I'm i soaked about where I'm from. That's the place that made me. Um, and because it made me, Um, Therapy was a thing that I thought was frivolous for a very long time. I mean, to be totally honest, the place that I come from and the people that I come from, uh, going to the doctor is frivolous. So uh, you basically go to work with a broken ankle and then you, uh, you know, you complain about it for the rest of your life. So in some ways, you know, it is the system and education and, uh, you know, lack of mental health that uh, creates A mindset that would say, yeah, I'm going to go to work even though I can barely walk. Um, And then you spend the rest of your life complaining about the fact that you went to work even though you can barely walk. Because if you don't go to work to take care of yourself, you might get fired. (laughs) So that's that's kind of the mentality that I was raised within and around. And um, so it makes that difficult. But I did, uh, when I went to college, I don't know how I even found out, but um, I went to like a commuter college and so, so that's like, it's a couple steps up from a community college and steps up in terms of, I don't know what, I mean, I'm not trying to create some hierarchy. Um, I think community colleges are, I mean, they have the word community in the name. I think that they are the backbone of education for those who are truly in the working and or poverty class. Um, and I think that the support that we need to be giving to them is sometimes sneered at and I've seen it um, and it stinks. And I mean, I was even, you know, not taught by anybody, but um, you know, these things that we sort of sort through our whole lives of like, wait, why did I think that? You know, like I looked down my nose at community colleges and it's like, why, (laughs) why did I, why did I think that? Because um, you could go to community college, get a couple credits, and then move up the the single rung to my school. And so I guess I was clinging to that single rung of feeling better than somebody else, which is a terrible way to live. And I don't live that way anymore. I try to actively combat that sort of thinking in my own life, because um, it's just in there. It's ingrained in there, and uh, hey, that's how white supremacy works. So, Uh, Anyway, when I was in college at my commuter school that I didn't stay at, I somehow found out about um, therapy. I think it was a group, maybe a flyer on a wall because I'm old enough to have learned about things from flyers on the wall. Um, And that was really great. I met some really amazing people through that. It was a, a, quote, women's group. And then I started seeing a therapist or vice versa. I can't remember. But the thing about colleges and community schools and, and commuter colleges, and I'm sure this is the case for state schools and prestigious schools, but I didn't go to those. So I don't know what the situation is. There are people going to school to be therapists there. So you can, in a similar way that you can go to a barber school or a dental school and get those two services for a, 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 a discount, Um, that is more affordable. I have done both. (laughs) I have gone to a dentistry school to get my teeth cleaned, and I have had my hair cut by someone who's learning how to do it as they're doing it. I've also gone to therapy with somebody that was trying to figure out how to do therapy. So anyway, it's possible. It, It always seems very out of reach. Sometimes it feels elitist. Sometimes it feels too expensive. Because it is. Because there's a premium on something that everyone needs because we're not getting it in other places because education has become all about test scores and hitting goals. It's not about a holistic approach to raising children. Man, I'm on a tear this morning. Is this a baseball podcast? Yes. But you know, I'm going to get to it in a minute. So anyway, I just think, you know, I, I want people, especially queer people, especially people of color, especially white people. Like, we all need it. We all especially need it. We all really need it because we're not getting it in other places. And sometimes, and I think I've talked about this before, you don't realize what you're missing until you get it. And so sometimes you don't get it. And then you don't know what you're missing. And it's not on you. But what I'm trying to tell you, I'm trying to I'm trying to give it to you without being the thing. I'm trying to tell you, like, there's a chance. There's a chance that you might need to go pay somebody on a sliding scale to sit in front of them and have them listen to what you have to say about things you might not be able to talk to anybody else about. And that's what therapy's about. It's also about working through trauma, which is basically what I just explained. And I think... I don't know that there's anybody on this planet that doesn't need to do that. So, I highly recommend going to therapy. I've been going to therapy. I'm going to go on Saturday. And I basically was taking a little bit of time because I didn't want to turn this podcast into therapy. I didn't want to be therapizing you guys and making you, or friends, you friends, um, and making you listen to what's going on for me. So, I was trying to do the method that I, 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 I've sort of a mantra and a, a, a method that I've given myself for the past couple years, basically since I moved to Los Angeles, uh, which is, you know, when you're on a plane and they do the safety presentation um, and then they talk about the oxygen masks that are com- going to come down from the ceiling in case of an emergency or depressurization To make sure that you put your oxygen mask on yourself and that it is working before you try to assist others. That is the way that I look at therapy. You got to take care of yourself. And it's not selfish. As long as it's not selfish, it's not selfish. If you're taking care of yourself to get to the door, to be able to put the mask on somebody else, to help someone else, to help the world, to help your surroundings, then it's not selfish. Because again, if you're going to work with a broken ankle, you're somebody working with a broken ankle. And number one, you shouldn't have to do that. And number two, you definitely shouldn't do that. So that's what what I've been up to. Um, A lot has happened in baseball. I've got a lot of notes to talk about. So I'm not sure what the structure of this episode is going to be other than I'm going to talk about all the stuff that's happened two things that I wanted to remember to talk about that happened uh, at this point two weeks ago, a week ago. I did get to watch some baseball. I did happen to to watch uh, the Keon Broxton catch in center field. And holy shit, the Brian Dozer, uh, it would have been the tying run. Or no, would it? I can't remember now. Sorry, I can't remember specifically. But it was one of those moments where... That, that shows me that proves to me how much I love the game of baseball because if Keon Broxton had not made that spectacular catch the game they would have lost the game and you watch the spectacular catch and it is in and of itself a spectacular catch in center field a perfectly timed catch where it's he's just suspended in the air not using the wall at all not using anything just launching himself perhaps from the edge of the warning track into the air and catching a, how big is the ball? Not I don't even know how many inches that is. Four or five, I don't know, whatever. A tiny rock that's flying at him at 100 miles an hour at a downward trajectory, but not even downward because it's over his dang head. You go, holy moly. And then you watch what plays out after that, and then you go back to that catch and you think, oh my God, he saved the game. If he wouldn't have made that million to one catch, they would have lost the game. And was it a super important game? Not really. But also, like, they needed it. (laughs) So, I mean, that was just wild. And then I also wanted to bring up the Billy Hamilton catch in center field because... I, of course, then people get on Twitter and go, buh, 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 blame catch, whatever. Sorry for using lame, I apologize. Um, and I just don't understand. I mean, Billy Hamilton's catch was also spectacular in a completely different way because he was tracking it down backwards and taking this route that was somewhat unpredictable because the ball was just hanging in the air and carrying. It caught a current and he had to follow that thing. And like, I just, how did you, how did he do that? Well, because he's a spectacular baseball player because he's connected. He's in there. I, I'm not comparing myself to a major league center fielder, but when I played a couple weeks ago and played center field for the first time, I made what was for me a spectacular dive and catch forward uh, to catch the ball. And I just felt in this way, oh my God, I'm, I'm connected to the, I'm connected to this. And it is one of the most spectacular feelings. I keep saying spectacular. One of the most like transcendent feelings to feel like you're just connected to what you're doing. Even if it isn't baseball, even if it's anything else, it's, it's, I mean, I, sometimes I feel that way in stand up. Not so much right now. I'm not feeling that. I'm not feeling it right now, but I will feel it again. Um, And I think, you know, to speak to my earlier point about therapy, when you're feeling that way, that you're not connected to the things that you're doing, going to therapy can kind of help that. So, Speaking of Billy Hamilton, I saw somebody on Twitter and I, I I really dislike to give you know the one jerk or whatever the uh the like upper hand or like only focus on that because it's easy also to be like the one heckler or the one person that doesn't like it. and then there's like a stadium of people who are on the opposing team giving him. Uh, you know, clapping for his catch because it, it just was that good that you can't deny how good it was. But I just think, like, why? And I know it's in other sports, but I'm not following other sports as much. And I, I'm following the WNBA right now, and I'm really, really stoked to see how much people are just loving it. And it's really great, and I feel like we're entering into a new era in, in the WNBA and just women's sports in general. And when I say women's sports, I mean the people who play women's sports. Um, They're referred to as women's sports, but women's sports tends to, on the professional level, be a lot more inclusive. And a lot of non-binary and trans folks, trans women and trans men play women's sports on a professional level um, in, in different capacities. So I'm not trying to be exclusive by using the phrase women's sports, but that is what they're called at this point. Um, It would be interesting if women's sports all of a sudden became like gender sports because (laughs) remember when uh, uh, women's studies that's what I took in college that's what it was called and now it's called gender studies which I think is a valuable language change but it would be funny to me if we started calling women's sports gender sports because then it would be like what are we doing now it would actually maybe force the issue and be like so okay so men's basketball is basketball and women's basketball is gender basketball. Actually, it kind of is when you think about it, given that I just gave that uh, comparison of one thing being just the sport and then the women's, quote, women's version being gendered. Yeah, actually, that's pretty accurate. So anyway, to speak to baseball, I just, and I tweeted about this, and now, of course, everybody's saying, you know, other sports are like this too, and they totally are. But um, it feels like baseball baseball is a sport where the people who love it the most hate it when other people don't love it and they also spend so much time hating it and i just don't understand why everybody's apparently i missed the i missed most of the all-star game because i was hosting our my stand-up show and uh i saw nick Stellini tweet about how one of the color commentary guys was getting on and talking about you know, the all during the all-star game, which is supposed to be just an exhibition of love for the sport. Like it's not about, they don't get home field. You don't get anything out of it except for a car, which is super weird. I mean, I, I stand for the players as union, as labor, as all those things. But like, I don't like that they're giving them cars because it's like this weird prize that like, this is the only way that we, uh, compensate people is by, like, giveaways. You know, a guy walks 20 miles to his job and the CEO surprises him with a vehicle. Like, he shouldn't have to walk 20 miles to prove his worth. He should be able to get to his job in a way that makes sense. Go to his job, afford a car if he wants to. But there should be public transportation in place that this guy can go work his job. Anyway, sorry. (laughs) I'm very angry. I shouldn't be getting... So the color commentary guy gets on and then shits on the game about the, I don't know, bat flips. What the What is wrong with people? Oh, I'm sorry, they're enjoying their job? The, I, I'm sorry, I forgot. They're supposed to stare at the dirt and hit the ball in the air, and then if it goes out, they don't show any amount of emotion, and they just go sit down in the dugout. That's the way the game's played. No, it hasn't been. It never has been. That is not a sport that I want to watch. I don't want to watch 18 guys have a terrible time. If I wanted to watch 18 guys have a terrible time, I would go anywhere else in the country and I could find 18 guys having a terrible time. I don't want to watch 18 guys have a terrible time. I want to watch 18 guys have a great time. And I want to watch them enjoy playing this child's game together. Baseball is honestly the only sport that I can stand watching men play at this point. And I would like to watch them have fun. I am not I don't like the Cubs cuz they beat my stupid team and blah 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 blah. I don't even like my stupid team anymore because they're stupid. Cuz of their name and their stupid logo. And their stupid pitcher who's an asshole. But was also standing up for bigoted language, so I don't know, it's complicated. But I love how I love watching Javi Baez play baseball. He loves he loves the game. He loves it. He's tattooed it on his neck. He loves the game, and people don't like the way he plays. Why? Why? Whatever. Anyway, I'm, I'm furious about it. Speaking about players who love the game, I just wanted to take a moment to talk about the Kike um, the Hernandez meme <laughs> that made the rounds a week or so ago. My concept of internet time is just like, I don't know when any of this shit happened. Um but Kike Hernandez, uh one of my favorite players on the Dodgers, uh utility infielder, outfielder, what we like in the business like to call a super utility. Uh fantastic guy, friendly, nice guy from Puerto Rico, has done a lot for Puerto Rico. Also, uh last season I went to the LGBT night at Dodger Stadium and he wore the tightest Lululemon pants. And I know he did it on purpose and not as a joke because like that's not a joke <laughs> to wear tight pants. But like straight up, he was like, I'm wearing tight pants for for Pride Night. And I like love that about him. And immediately I was like, I love this guy. And I had already liked him because he's just like adorable. But um, so he got memed and he is five foot 11 inches, which uh seems very tall, but OK. And <laughs> yeah, that's taller than me weird, Uh, and he was getting interviewed by Kelly Tennant, who is six foot two, which is taller than me. And he, for a joke, which was sort of uh, an inside joke between the two of them, uh, he stood on a hi-chew, which is sort of like Starburst, I'd never heard of them before until I moved out here, Um, as like a joke to be like the same height, and it was between the two of them and she... Uh, thought it was funny and liked it and it, like he w- they were finally whatever and so somebody made a meme of it that said Siri show me fragile masculinity and here's here's the thing about it somebody tweeted back at me like I don't understand I think it was Kara Brown uh, of the keep it podcast and also uh, a talented writer thinker human being on on her own uh, said, you know, like, basically, like, it doesn't matter who's in the meme. The meme is the meme. And, like, I agree with that. I totally get it. That's the point of a meme. The truth of the image isn't necessarily the point of the meme. Sometimes the meme is using something that looks accurate to the thing it's saying, um, which is also, like, kind of scary in terms of I went to art school and talked a lot about theory, about... Simulacra, the sign and the signifier, like all these things. I talked about that a lot. I can't remember really any of it, but I think about it still. And it's kind of a big deal to sort of separate those two things and make them inaccurate to each other because my entire degree, uh, a BFA in printmaking, which is, you know, just ready to make bank, ready to make paper, basically, I learned how to print it. But my whole thing that I had to do through, if you go for a studio art degree, which is like a fine arts degree where you're actually getting a degree in making making things, making art, what you have to do is make the visual art and then write a paper that explains it, which is essentially a meme. <laughs> you know, a meme is just a distilled version of here's an image, here's a saying, how do these two things interact what do you think about what it is how many people get latch on to this idea does it make sense because there's people just making memes all day on the internet in hopes that like i don't know they get ad revenue or something i don't know how that that sort of works there's the terrifying version and then there's this version which isn't really terrifying in that it's just making a statement that does actually make sense but if you then dig into it a little bit more it's a little bit more layered than that which is what i thought was interesting and i tried not to get too on my high chew bucket about it and say like no take it down blah, blah blah." like i didn't i didn't want it to go away i actually thought oh this is this is kind of an interesting way to discuss fragile mas- masculinity because yeah like looking at that image what that person wrote is accurate it actually is accurate like what What that person who I believe is a a she, and so I apologize if it is, was trying to say is like, this is what, when we say, or this is what I think that person was trying to say. I shouldn't put thoughts into someone else's head. Uh, This is what we mean when we say fragile masculinity. A a guy who is shorter than a woman must stand on a bucket so that it seems he's the same height as her. Because God forbid a man be shorter than a woman. That's what the meme means. It, it doesn't matter who's in it. It does not matter. It's just representing like, when we say fragile masculinity, it's like, it can be as simple as this. And this is what fras- fragile masculinity is. So maybe we can stop doing it or laugh at it and be like, oh yeah, that is what it is. And it's not that big of a deal. But then for me, the the even further digging into the, the truth of the image is that, The guy that's in the image, well, number one, the fact that like they were in agreement uh, that it was a joke and it was something that they were kind of in cahoots to do somewhat together because they know each other. They work together. They're coworkers. And he wasn't necessarily making her look bad. He was just making them look like they were the same height, which she was like, never happens. So it was funny to her. But then when you dig even further into it a little bit more and you start, he happens to be one of the however many men who play Major League Baseball, which is the most gendered exclusive sport because it is the only sport that when women play it, they have to play a different version of it. It's... I mean, there are women that play baseball. I've talked about it a lot. There's There was a professional baseball league in the 40, 40s through the 50s. I've talked about that a lot. I know a lot about it. I don't need to get into it. Major League Baseball in 1954 made a law in Major League Baseball that no woman at any level can play professional baseball because one woman from the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League was called up to a AAA, or called into, I should say, a AAA minor league team because she was that good And they wanted to give it a shot. And the audience reacted with such hatred that they said, nope, not going to do it. Instead of saying, we're going to stand by this player. We're going to stand by this. Nope, nope. We're going to, because it's a woman, we're going to not go down this road. And in fact, we're going to make it illegal for any other women to go down this road separately. So they can't do that. So this guy is playing a sport that has that, that fragile masculinity, that actual fragile masculinity, which is how dare this woman try to play the ma- a man's game, which the same men turn around and say it's a child's game. So what? whose game is it exactly? It's nobody's game. It's America's game. And I thought women lived in America, but I, I've, I've been laboring under that delusion for a long time. This guy plays that sport, and he shows emotion and affection for his colleagues for his teammates and he posts regularly these photos of him hugging his team and saying there's nothing wrong literally before this meme ever happened months before saying there's nothing wrong about showing affection for your teammates I love my guys and it's not a joke he might be like laughing about it because he likes it and it's not a joke for him he posted he's getting married his fiance. And him, they, like, are posting photos of each other all the time. They seem like they're having the greatest time. They posted these silly, silly, silly engagement photos. He just is a person that, like, loves life, and he's not getting into toxic masculinity. And so, to me, because the, the meme wasn't about toxic masculinity. It was about fragile masculinity. But what I love about that person, that baseball player is that he doesn't participate in either. And I'm sure that he does on occasion because that's what he was raised in and it's hard to break it. But like I was saying up top, he's actively trying to not do it and actively trying to not participate in it. So to me, all I ever tried to say was to prove like, this. what's amazing is the guy that you're using as in this moment, a poster boy for fragile masculinity because he's in a meme, is actually the complete opposite. And let's look at that. And look at what series show me not fragile masculinity. It's also the same guy. Which is pretty cool, I think. Because you, you, you scratched a surface to prove a very valid point that needs to be proven. And then when people got into it and learned about this player who's not a superstar, he's not a household baseball name, And he's definitely not a household name as a baseball player. I think there's, what, three guys that are these days? Bryce Harper, Aaron Judge, maybe. (laughs) Maybe. You get into it and you see, oh, he's actually a really good example of not fragile masculinity, which is wild to me. Wildly interesting, amazing, and I think... Just a, a a fantastic thought experiment. <laughs> so anyway, those are my thoughts about uh, Kike and fragile masculinity. So moving on to the All-Star game, like I said, I didn't get to watch a lot of it. I watched some of the Home Run Derby. I'm going to talk about the Home Run Derby first because I turned it on when Reese Hoskins and Kyle Schwarber were up against each other. I... I grew up loving the Home Run Derby. Now the older that I am and how much I realize that uh, the Home Run Derby really can mess with guys' second halves, I watched that I watched the Home Run Derby just thinking, oh my God, this is just one long injury. Um, and I mean, it was very evident in, in Kyle Schwarber's round too where he just was, ex- excuse me, exhausted. Um, so I didn't get to watch the first rounds. It was pretty fun, but I got to say... The, the Bryce Harper, I don't know how people were saying he cheated. I'm unsure how you cheat at that. I watched it. That didn't seem like cheating to me. His dad was throwing terrible pitches for him. I mean, it was nuts for it, for him to, like, win with that bad of pitching. I think there were, like, five straight balls inside, outside, five straight in the last, like, minute or minute and a half Uh, Which also, I grew up with the Home Run Derby being not timed. And I think, didn't they just get exhausted and then that was the end of the round? So anyway, um, a last thought about that. Dad's pitching seemed to be good luck. Harper this year, Bellinger got close last year with his dad pitching. And did Robinson Cano start that trend? He's the first one that... Bench coach Brett remembers doing it the year he won in 2011, but more importantly, who will be the first player to have their mom pitch to them in the Derby? That, I mean, that's a great question and I'm unsure if I'll be alive for it. Just thinking about the time, I'm not saying like, Oh, that's a, I just mean, that means that one of the women who are currently playing uh, for the U.S. women's national team, which is playing in uh Florida, the last weekend of August, which everyone needs to watch and be aware of. Please, everybody listen to me. I know that it's hard to get into like Team USA stuff for some of us right now. It's definitely hard for me to do that right now. But please, please join me this August. It's a month away. Please join me in uh, promoting this and talking about it and watching it and telling people that there is a U.S. national women's baseball team and they are playing to represent us this summer, this August, in Florida for the Women's Baseball World Cup, the first time that it's ever been on United States soil. First time in 10 years, I think. So when people talk about women's baseball, they think about the movie A League of Their Own. They don't even think about the actual women that played it from 1943 to 1954. What I want is for us to create a campaign that people know these women are playing baseball right now and we can watch them and support them do it. So back to my other point, one of those women would have to have a child that then grows up to make it to the major leagues to then hit in the home run derby. That's why I don't know that I'll be alive to see it. I do think it will happen. There's a chance... Somebody has, I don't know, Justine Siegel throw them uh batting practice. She's very good at it, but she's not their mom. So I think, I think just specifically to say who would have a woman throw it, that's something I might see in my lifetime. But to see a mom throw batting practice to their pre- presumably son, I'm not sure that is going to happen very soon, just because that means somebody has to have a child that is then Talented enough to make it into the major leagues. So the odds of that are simply higher. Um, but the odds of a woman throwing it, not as high. Still high, not as high. Um, so I have complicated thoughts about the home run derby these days. I am not a huge Bryce Harper fan because I think that he has some shitty beliefs that I probably disagree with and he perhaps degre- disagrees on the fact that i am a person and i don't know but um oh i also i didn't see it but i saw everybody talking about it the uh military presence in baseball is frightening it's it's been uh you know growing it's it's been there we've had flyovers for a long time the national anthem uh all that stuff Amer- huge american flags everywhere american flags all over Armbands, wristbands, socks—all this stuff. But apparently, there was like a military parade for the home run derby, and now I feel as though people have sort of uh, uh, conflated military service with baseball service, and like it's it's going back to the 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 World War Two of it when. Baseball players, actual Major League Baseball players were being draft not drafted, but conscripted to, into military service, uh, which is precisely why the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League was even started, because they were afraid that baseball was going to die because there were too many men who played baseball going over to die in World War II. Um, so it's ironic in that way to me. However, I supporting the troops, the quote, supporting the troops of it all is it's a delicate thing. It's very delicate. I have, uh, many veterans in my family, in my close, in my, my grandfather, it was a world war II vet. Uh, my great uncle on my dad's side of the family is a Vietnam war vet. Um, my great uncle, on my grandmother's side. Her brother was killed in action in World War II in Manila. She never got over it. Uh, My cousin was in the reserves uh, because I knew a lot of people, a lot of people back in 2001, 2000, um, who joined the reserves because it was a safe way to join the military um, in a way where you participated two weeks a month or whatever whatever it was. Um, you worked in the, I don't know, with the National Guard or whatever. And then they gave you money to go to school. And I, I knew a lot of people that that was their situation. Um, that that was the only way they were going to go to college. Uh, because I, I grew up in a very poor area around poor people. I I also think I I might have been poor. I wasn't in poverty but for all intents and purposes um yes that 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 is the case i've resisted saying those kinds of things because i have tried to be uh aware of my white privilege that's not to say that um i i mean i definitely both of those things were happening i mean it's a privilege for me to even consider that i wasn't but it's it's a bit it's a bit confusing because uh white people have a tendency to think they're more successful than they really are. But then also I find that we tend to act as the, you know, we cry a lot poorer than we really were. So I, I've always been a little confused about where I stood on that. But I mean, I knew I've known a lot of, I've known somebody else that was, uh, is an Iraq war vet that had three tours, I believe. So it's very, it's, it's close to me, you know, military service is close to me. It's something that I experienced very closely um, nobody that lived in my actual home was currently serving, but um, it's it's something that I know actual people that have done it. And so I it's complicated to me, but these days, the sort of, uh, you know, screaming support the troops and stand for the flag and stand for this and do this and go this there's no other options. It's uh, no wonder that poor people have to go into military service to, to think they can be any sort of success. There's no how, how uh, there's a big check that they're getting in the middle of the all-star game. And I, I, I mean, it's just, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Why, why would you think that you could get any other option? Um, and so it's frightening to me and I don't like it. And it's making it very hard for me to watch a sport that I really love because I know how many kids are watching and they love baseball, then they watch baseball, love the military, and then they want to be in the military, and then you just have a bunch of people going into the military, and there's nothing. I, I It's difficult to say, don't go in the military, but I also am like, w- I, I don't know why you would, especially, I mean, a lot of queer folks are very poor and they go into the military because they don't have anything else. But the military also kind of doesn't want them, especially right now, historically. I mean, you think about uh, black people. uh, Black women are just now allowed by the U.S. Navy to wear freaking dreadlocks. Imagine. Imagine that you are either so poor that your only option is to go into the Navy or you believe in your country so much that you want to serve it by going into the U.S. Navy and you can't wear your hair in a way that allows you to do your job. That makes sense for you and your body and the way that your hair operates. I understand that the military is about fitting being being a cog in a machine. But the sometimes cogs are different sizes. So I don't know. I'm very very complicated feelings about the military, but I definitely am not complicated about the military being so prevalent in baseball. I think that somebody like Sean Doolittle that I've spoken about ad nauseum on this show, but I will keep talking about him because I think he is a great. Example. Uh, he supports veterans. He supports, he goes and sits with them. And he has a history in the Air Force, so he participates in that. But he doesn't have the sort of rah-rah, you have to do this or anything, everything else is, you're a traitor and you hate your country. He he also supports many other uh, causes and issues that are in conflict with the rah, rah, if you don't do this, you hate your country. So I'm grateful to him and his existence in Major League Baseball. And honestly, that he was the lens I was watching the uh, the All-Star game through. So it was a pretty great experience just to get to watch him have fun. It was really nice. I don't know. Congrats to you, Sean and Aaron. It was great to see you all having a good time. So, great. Uh, the All-Star game snubs. uh, I'll just list those off. We've got Blake Snell, Rays pitcher, Andrelton Simmons, Angels shortstop, Trey Turner, Nationals shortstop, Brandon Belt, Giants first base, Max Muncy, uh, utility infielder, Giancarlo Stanton, Yankees DH and right fielder, or, you know, utility outfielder, Kyle Friedland, Rockies pitcher. I mean, look, it's crowded this year. The one thing I will say about the All-Star game this year versus previous years is is I love that it's not, it wasn't all just one team. There were only, uh, I mean, there was a lot of Astros, I guess. But, uh, I mean, Blake Snell was chosen as a replacement for uh, Corey, Corey Kluber, so he did get in there. Um, I felt pretty good about it. I mean, I think that the, the Giancarlo, I would say, is probably the biggest snub, and I know he's not even having the best season out of any of these players, but All-Stars are kind of about the name recognition, too. You know, it's about the stars. So I felt pretty good about it. Um, and then the all-star game in general, uh, Brett sent me the notes in the eighth inning. Did Votto just blow the game? Should have caught that pop-up and he knew it immediately. I think he recovered it later or something. Isn't there something, this is, this relates to the Josh Hader stuff, I think, which, you know what? I'm just going to come back to that, um. Did Secura just win MVP? If so, that would be the first time a total vote, a final vote recipient won MVP. He, of course, did not. It went to Alex Bregman, who is just hitting everything right now. I feel like one of the biggest uh, advancements in baseball that we're perhaps not talking about is not just statistics, but it's HD cameras. Baseball is a game of adjustments. You're continually making adjustments. Many of those adjustments you're making yourself and realizing I was over the ball, I was this, I'm dropping my shoulder, I need to change it. But just think about the accuracy of HD cameras. Think about how accurate they are and how you can slow them down and look at every aspect of your swing. Alex Bregman, to me, that looks like that's what he's done. He He has analyzed his swing from every angle, frame by frame by frame by frame. And he has adjusted his swing frame by frame by frame. I think what he has done is taken Nolan Arenado's hitting coach's approach, which is hit it as hard as you can every time. But he's he's taken that and figured out how to make it accurate. Because that's Nolan Arenado's issue with his swing, is that he swings so hard... He's not as accurate. I mean, he gets great results. I'm not saying it's it's bad. What I'm saying is his swing isn't accurate. What Alex Bregman's been able to do is take that power swing and turn it into a contact swing, which is bonkers. So it makes sense that he got the MVP. I also will just say, this will be my last thing about the All-Star game before I get into the hater stuff, which which I'll get into in a minute. Uh, I really didn't like the fact that the Manny Machado trade was happening at the same time as the All-Star game. It was pretty gross to me. I mean, I guess I'm excited that he's coming to Los Angeles. It'll be fun to watch him play. Um, And I'm kind of happy for him because I think it was his time to move on to a team, to, to a new team. But I think it was pretty shitty to the Orioles organization and also to the Orioles fans, to Baltimore fans. I don't care if they're jerks or whatever. I don't care about that. I think it was uh, Major League Baseball and Major League Baseball, the, the media around Major League Baseball, really being inconsiderate to a huge fan base who was losing their star. Who knew they were going to lose their star, and this was their last night to watch him play in that freaking uniform, and all they did was rub it in their face for an entire game. And I th- I think it's really disgusting. Like I'm actually disgusted about it. Um and I just think it was cruel and unnecessary. I I just I didn't I really didn't like it. Um please tweet at me if you disagree. I'd love to have a conversation about it, but and if you're a Baltimore fan, please let me know what you think. If you agree with that or if you disagree, if you're like I was ready for him to go, I don't care. I'm curious. But if I was a Baltimore fan, I would be pretty pissed. I would not be happy about it. Okay. So an all-star profile, Shin Su Chu quietly having a great season in the Rangers last game before the break, Sunday against the Orioles of all, all teams shin Chu, just named to his first All-Star game, drew a leadoff walk, extending his on-base streak to 51 games, the longest streak in baseball this year. Not only that, it's the longest streak in the past 10 years. Of course, Chu is doing all of this on a bad team, the division-worst Rangers. Who are the MLB's other best players on bad teams, a.k.a. the Manny Machado Award? Well, what's interesting to me is the fact that there were three Cincinnati Reds in the All-Star game last night, which... Is anybody realizing that? Joey Votto, Eugenio Suarez, and Scooter Jeanette. And that's like one of the worst teams. So that's pretty funny, isn't it? I'm trying to remember the other worst teams. I mean, the White Sox have a bunch of great players. Yon Moncada. I mean, come on. They're not even the worst team. Uh, And then the Tampa Bay Rays, I mean, Blake Snell, they have an ace right now. And Nathan Eovaldi is uh, also turning back the clock. He had, They both had terrible outings against the Twins. Let's see if that lasts. And if it does, then my fantasy baseball season is over. Um, I also just made a trade that was probably terrible, but I had no roster space. I traded Joey Votto and Brian Dozier for Jack Flaherty and Aaron Nola. We'll see. I probably could have got Kershaw also as opposed to Jack Flaherty, but I always undersell So that I can get the trade done. But I couldn't, I I have, I also have Jesus Aguilar and Scooter Jeanette. So like I I, I had too many single position hitters that I was just had points sitting on my bench. So whatever. Um, And speaking of Machado, he went to LA. So we don't even need to really talk about that. I, as a Dodger fan, look, I'm just going for it. I'm a Dodger fan now. That's what's happened. I, there was a tweet yesterday about, from Cleveland.com about uh, Cleveland tr- decided they, they had to decide between keeping the logo, they didn't call it the logo, but I do, uh, or getting the 2019 All-Star Game. They chose the All-Star Game. What would you choose? And like, gross. they they I don't know if they're going to move on in my lifetime, and I ain't got that kind of time. I mean, look, it's always going to be my team. I'm always going to have a place in my heart for that team. I'm always going to have a place in my heart for small market, American League, DH, mother effing baseball. But I can't do it anymore. I can't stand for that. And I can't even stand for the Cavs anymore because Dan Gilbert is the Cavs. And I am very happy for LeBron James and the fact that he is moving on with his life. Good for him. I love where I'm from. Like I said up top, I will never not be from where I'm from. But at some point I can't, I can't anymore. I love Akron. I'm from Akron, man. I'm not from Cleveland. I'm from Akron. I'm not from Cleveland. I don't have to be a fan of Cleveland sports. I don't have to be a fan of Cleveland sports. I'm free. I'm free. If they win a world series, I'll cry. Absolutely. I will. I'll break down and cry and think I'll, I'd never see this in my life, but I'm not going to root for them. And I'm—I mean, I'll talk about them on the podcast, and that's it. Because they keep talking about shit like that. Yeah, the All-Star Game is more important. That city needs the money. It needs people in it. People need to come see it. When that team was really good in the '90s, and they rebuilt a bunch of stuff, all of a sudden people were visiting Cleveland. Not anymore, because of political corruption and, and a, a lack of infrastructure around uh, investments and and just like. Tax money going to Browns stadiums over and over and over again. I, I can't do it anymore. So I'm excited that he came out here, but I'm not excited about the fact that they gave up their number one prospect who's going to be good. And also, that probably means that Andrew Tolles is going back down. And I love that guy. He's got a great story. He's bagging groceries three years ago, he's got a great attitude. I love him a lot. That also means Chris Taylor moves out of shortstop, which I'm stoked about. He'll probably hit better. He was hitting a lot better in center field because he didn't have to think so much or at least think like a shortstop. He's been hitting a lot worse now that he has to play short. It's harder in a different way. But it also means that Kike isn't going to be playing as much. And I like that guy. And I love what he was doing on the field. He plays, He's fun and he does good shit. So I'm curious how it goes. I mean, he's definitely not going to stick around. Corey Seager's elbow is going to be better at some point. He's going to be a free agent. So they better win the damn World Series or else this was a whole waste. So I just want to talk about the Josh Hader issue real quick and then we'll be back with... uh, I will do an ad. (laughs) We'll be back with uh, some, some Rosenberg questions. And then we'll get out of here. So late during Tuesday's MLB All-Star Game, several tweets from the Brewers pitcher Josh Hader, he's a reliever, uh, and having a great season, uh, sent around 2011 and 2012 resurfaced. The tweets are truly vile and contain racist, homophobic, and violent statements. And amid a fast-rising outcry on Twitter and just moments after Hader exited the game following a relief sting, he turned his account to private. I don't even... Because I was hosting my game and I wasn't even able to check in. I mean, I think he gave up the, he gave up the tying run, right? I don't, I don't know. Somebody was speculating a baseball person on Twitter was speculating. Sorry that I can't give credit. I didn't look it back up again. Uh, that Joey Votto basically dropped that ball and allowed us to find these things. So in some ways he's the hero. Uh, that's funny. I mean, it would be amazing if that was the case. I doubt it. I mean, Joey Votto a very good baseball player, but he's not that good. I'm not going to repeat any of the stuff that he said, but he and his girlfriend were tweeting some terrible stuff and it's not stuff I haven't seen or heard before. It's sort of that belief that it's sort of ironic or f- jokey racism, but it's just straight up it's just straight up bigoted from all accounts. I mean, it's awful, awful shit. And then there was something that's not that's clearly not that I saw this morning that's not ironic. It's it's a real belief system. And then I can't help but see those tweets and then see the Bible verses in his bio and go like, oh yeah, you're a bad person. This is what you think and this is bad. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, I'm curious to see what happens to this dude. He apologized, but also on Twitter, uh, Elon Musk was apologizing for calling one of those Thai cave rescue guys a pedo, which, what the hell? That's fragile masculinity right there. And then his apology was essentially... That guy told me to perform a sex act with my sub that I didn't create, which, what the fuck? He didn't. He said, stick it where the, where it hurts. And so I guess that was super offensive to Elon Musk that he responded with calling him a pedophile, which I think is very far-reaching to, to go there. And also, like, that you're that fragile? Your masculinity is that fragile that you have to retort like that? A dude that saved some people a second ago? He also said, I'm sorry if I offended anyone. Stop doing that. You're apologizing because you know you offended people and you know that you said something wrong. It's not even about offending people. I don't even like the phrase offending anymore because it's not about offending someone. That's putting it on the other person and saying, oh, well, sorry, you're offended. No, no. I said something shitty. I shouldn't have said it because I was upset and I apologize That's how you apologize. That is an apology. And you should be a man about it and be able to do it. You're not even doing it that publicly. We don't even hear your voice. You're doing it from, I don't know, your couch that you invented and saying, oh, sorry if you're offended. You can't even be a man about it and record a video and say, I shouldn't have said that. I apologize. It's that simple. But it's not that simple because you don't believe it. So you're saying all these things that you do believe, which is it's all on you guys. And so now I'm going to say this so I can maybe save my empire. Well, you can't stop standing for that guy. He's bad. Billionaires are not great. They're not a good person to look up to. Baseball players are not billionaires. There's only one, there's one billionaire. And I don't even know that he is a billionaire. He probably is. I do look up to a billionaire and his name's LeBron James because he came from nothing. He came from nothing. And the only thing he wanted to do was play basketball because that's what he was made to do. And do you know what he's done with his money? He's given it back to the city that he had nothing in, to the kids that look like him who have nothing. That is a billionaire that you can look up to. And I, if he did some terrible shit, I would walk away in a second. But he hasn't. All he's done is support the children that need it the most in his hometown. He's created a school that he's going to take nationwide that is not a charter school, that helps kids who are in danger of falling out of the educational system and likely into the prison pipeline. That's what he's doing with his money. Elon Musk is sending his money into space. So please reconsider the billionaires that you look up to. I'm going to record an ad right now and we'll be back and I'll answer some questions. I love my underwear. It's the best underwear I've ever had. It fits perfectly. I feel good in it, it's comfortable. I just love it. Tomboy X makes me feel good. It makes me feel like I'm wearing the underwear I was always supposed to wear. It's underwear with more frills than function. It's not the underwear my mom got from Victoria's Secret to make me feel more like a woman. It's underwear that's made to fit you and how you see yourself. They make bikinis, briefs, boxer briefs, trunks, and boy shorts, soft bras, racerback bras in everyday basic colors, fun seasonal prints, and brilliant colors. All options come in extra small to 4X. Regardless of where you fall on the size or gender spectrum, Tomboy X offers amazing underwear that anybody feels comfortable in. Regardless of where you fall on the size or gender spectrum, Tomboy X offers amazing underwear that anybody feels comfortable in. Go to TomboyX.com baseball and check out their special bundles and pack pricing. And Three Swings listeners get an extra 15% off with code BASEBALL. Again, code BASEBALL for an extra 15% off. Ditch whatever you're wearing for a pair of Tomboy X underwear. Go to TomboyX.com baseball. All right, we're back with a couple... Twitter questions and I'll I'll let you get back to work or your other podcasts that you want to listen to. Slime Hagfish says, What was it like for you to get back into team sports as an adult? Fitness, injury, recovery, team dynamics, rivalries, etc. How is it different from playing as a kid? Are there any other sports you want to try? I mean, honestly, I just love sports, and I would love to try every sport. I wish I could go to like an adult sports camp. That would be my dream. Um It was immediately fun. I was immediately injured because just getting playing baseball without having played it really ever in this capacity. Um, yeah, I was in a lot of pain for a while and then I got used to it. Um, the the rivalry and the dynamics thing, I've been playing for four years. It feels like five, and I've been playing with essentially the same core group of people, and I don't just mean on my team, I mean on the other teams. It's taken this long. I am friends with a lot of them now. It's been difficult. Um, It's been difficult because it's weird to be rivals with adults that you have no context for other than that. And then it's also difficult because of the woman on a baseball field dynamic. But I really think that I've made a lot of progress. I talked to somebody who I felt like had it out for me. And then the next game that he he came to, to his next game, which was after mine, um, which I managed, by the way, and I had a lot of freaking fun managing a baseball game. I had a lot of fun. I am a good coach. It was great. It was really great. My team like clapped for me at the end of the game. We won nineteen to one. And I know that seems like ridiculous, but honestly, a lot of it was coaching. If I wouldn't have I, I, I took some risks and I pushed my team and we won nineteen to one. It was great. Um and then he came up to me and like gave me a fist pound, and I'm like, great, this is all i this is all I wanted. I don't that's it. I just want to get along with people. And I don't like it when I feel like I'm not getting along with people because I'm a woman. I don't like it. And sometimes it feels like that. And I told my coach a couple of weeks ago, that's what this feels like. And he said, I think you're looking into this too much. And I said, coach, number one, go live your life as a woman for a day and then come back to me. You can't. So here's what else I would say. And I don't mean to be flippant about that, but I I meant it. I mean, you don't live your life as a woman, so you don't know what that experience is like. And I don't even live my life as a woman, but I, I do culturally. The culture sees me as a woman, so I've been in that. You know, I've I've been raised and lived that life. So then the another thing I said to him because he can't just go walk around as a woman, uh, because this isn't an eighties movie. Um, I said, Coach, I spend every day of my life trying to convince myself that's not what's happening. That someone's not treating me badly because I'm a woman that they're just treating me badly because they're having a bad day or because I, my tone was bad or it's any other combination of things. I spend every day telling myself that it's not because you're gay. It's not because you're this. It's not because you're that it's something else. So when I, when I vocalize it to somebody else, I really mean it because I've thought about it a lot. And he actually listened to me and was like, that makes sense. (laughs) Because I don't think people think about it that way when they think when when they listen to, let's say, an oppressed commu- an oppressed identity. When we try to say, "This is happening," and I don't like it, people want to. Nah, that's not what it is. That's not what it is. as though we haven't thought that it isn't, as though we haven't spent time and energy thinking that's not what it was. So, please hear me out. When somebody comes to you and says, this is a problem and I'm being treated differently because I'm this, 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 that person is taking a huge risk by saying that to you. Consider that first and then operate from that position and say, Oh, they're taking a huge risk by bringing this up to me right now. So I'm going to, it's they are They're probably right. And this is probably something that I haven't experienced, so I'm gonna listen, and I'm gonna understand or try. This is something white people could do a lot more often. All right, yay pizza says I have seven month old twins. My life, my wife loves the Cardinals. I am forever Royals. Do we split the babies' fandom up or let them decide? Let them decide. I think it would it. I'm sure that your house has both things, Cardinals and Royals stuff. Let them decide what they want to be. That's how I think about gender. That's how I think about baseball fandom. Let them decide who they want to be. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, If you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Please also follow Forever Dog Network on Twitter and follow me on Twitter at Rhea Butcher send your questions to at three swings pod with hashtag Rosenbag for next week. I'd love to get your questions and talk even more about that. Um, And of course, if you liked it, you liked it. Forever. Dog. This has been a forever dog production executive produced by Brett Boehm,